going on everybody welcome to the north shore nine post game show i'm jim with me tonight is connor connor how you doing tonight do we still have to do this you know what yeah. you know it wasn't a great game but i feel like there's there's still plenty to talk about tonight so there is it's just not fun games like this are are never fun this it wasn't fun to watch that's for no. sure But um, not a whole lot happening in the game offensively in particular, especially with people on base. Um, Pitching-wise, no one really looked great. But let's kind of start with um, let's start with Andre Jackson. So before we actually get into it, Pirates lose today 5-1. to one. First game of a three-game series. Andre Jackson, his second start as a Pirate. Um, looked really good out of the bullpen his first two appearances. He's kind of looked a little bit more... Um, I guess pedestrian, you can say, in his uh, two starts. But today he goes four and a third, gives up four hits, two runs, walks three, strikes out six, though. So, like, the stuff was good. Command, though, a little off. Um, what were just, I mean, what were your thoughts on Andre Jackson today? What, uh, what did you see? I mean, he was fine. I've been reading, I, I have to measure my words carefully here. I, he's been better than advertised. Right, because you don't usually expect a guy who's bad in the Dodgers system to go somewhere else and then pitch better. <laughs> right, that's not yeah. something that usually happens with with those guys. Um, but I mean the the stuff is is fine. I would assume the, I haven't really done a real in depth of why he was so bad in LA, but I would assume it would be the command because this stuff is decent. It's MLB caliber stuff. The breaking the the curveball especially is decent. Uh, upper mid nineties touches upper nineties with the fastball. Yeah, I mean you look at the stuff and and that's what makes him interesting, right? You can see why the Pirates would claim a player like this. Um, you he's mentioned the, kind of he's the kind of player they should have been claiming for the last three years, but instead we got Jared Eikhoff. We yeah, got, you mentioned the command issues. That 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 was his problem. There there are two issues. One was just way too many walks, and then two, which we're trying, we're starting to kind of see rear its head here. Um, a lot of home runs, which is the which Jackson. is you know, which is possibly the problem of the command issue because he's you know, he's you know, even the best stuff when it gets left out over the heart of the plate because mm -hmm. he didn't really because I don't know if that because I wasn't really paying attention when the pitch was thrown but i couldn't tell i couldn't tell offhand if it was a slider or a changeup but a change I mean, up. it was a changeup yeah i mean it broke decently it's just when it breaks out in the, the heart of the plate you know it's it's going to get hit when off speed is is left middle like that it, it gets taken pretty long way and that did yeah he throws those right right on right changeups quite often yeah. um, and when he when he can bury them like down and in 
they're very effective, but that ball didn't get in on, uh, on the batter. So yeah, ended up being a two run Homer for, uh, Michael Taylor, Michael A. Taylor, who's not <laughs> really known for his bat, but here we are. Um, a little bit more on, on, on Jackson that I kind of want to go into, uh, we mentioned the stuff like, the whiff rate is good. He's he had 13 swings and misses today. Uh 40% whiff rate on that changeup. Uh 50% whiff rate on his slider, 45% whiff rate on his fastball. So it's one of those things where like when he's putting the ball where it should be, he's getting swings and misses because the stuff is really good. But it's just the consistency is lacking. Uh and when you are not consistent and you're walking batters, and then you have home run issues that's kind of where things can fall apart. And that was really just his downfall today. He walked a batter and then he threw a bad pitch that uh, Taylor made, made him pay for. Yeah. All uh, in all, he, I thought he pitched really well for what you would expect of him in that, in that role. Yeah. I think Sean here brings up a good point. He seems fine. Like stuff. Yeah, no, if good. Jackson, if Jackson is like going into camp is in the mix for, is in the mix for guys in the pen next year. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly reasonable with what we've seen of him. Beto too. Cause I mean, we saw Beto, you know, flash, you know, 98. Yeah. I mean, Beto's got, Beto's kind of that same. I, I wouldn't say the stuff for Beto isn't quite as good, but it's still MLB level stuff when he's locating it. And in short spurts. That's and kind it, of the key. Yeah, and in short spurts. It's it's yeah. just kind of abominable that there's that this team is through both injuries and trades now has to end underperform and, and underperformance because pretty much everything that could go wrong with the rotation this year has. You know, it, it's kind of abominable that there are now two bullpen days and we're looking at functionally a third now that Oviedo's innings are being limited. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the main problem here, right? Like Andre Jackson shouldn't be starting games. He shouldn't be pitching into the fifth inning right. of games. And and the main reason for that is, you know, injuries, you're, you're trading away your starters at the deadline. So here we're here now. And the lack of uh, performance by Ronzi Contreras and Luis Ortiz right. and Quinn Priester, like all three of those guys have been given ample chances this, se- this season. And none of them have, have taken advantage of it. So we're left here now with Andre Jackson. Uh, starting games as well as Osvaldo Beto starting games. Uh, and it's going to be like this probably for Listen, the Listen, I like both weeks. of those guys. I really do. I don't have an issue with either of them. I don't like them as starters. Yeah, I don't like them as starters, but I just, I don't have an issue with them as players. I just, it, it's like the Connor Joe. When Connor Joe was being forced to start every day for like two months and everybody was ganging up on him. It's like this guy's a fine ball player, but he's just he's not an everyday player. He's a platoon guy. He's just being forced into a role that he never should have been forced into because that's what bad teams do. Seems like there's a lot of um, people being forced into roles. There is. It's a running theme with this team. It absolutely is a running theme with this team. It's it's inescapable. So speaking of, so Andre Jackson, again, pretty, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and say it was a good start. I'm not going to say it was a bad start. It's, it was fine for what you can expect from Andre Jackson. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing more from him. I, I expect him to get plenty of opportunities to show us what he's got down the stretch here, but let's kind of shift gears before we kind of get into the bullpen. 
I do want to talk about this this offense. Um, it's let's it's start. Awful. Let's start. Let's start with just the good stuff, and then we'll get into the the bad stuff because there's right. plenty of bad stuff here. Um, Andy Rodriguez, three for four. He had he had himself a game. Like he's, he looked. He's good, good at man. the plate. Yeah, he he he's looked good. good at the plate. Weighted runs created plus well above a hundred right now. Um, the guy's just a hitter, and he seems to kind of be adjusting at the major league level. Uh, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he can do down the stretch because I think today was this is his second three hit game in at least like a week or so. So he's really turning it on and really all three of those hits today. One was kind of a blooper, but the other two kind of laced them. What's his walk rate? Cause I mean, obviously he showed the ability to get on base mm-hmm. and, and draw walks in the minor leagues. 9.2. His, that's his, that's his walk rate at MLB. Yep. That's good. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah. I was uh, just curious. Probably... It wasn't, that wasn't like, yeah. a feeling like, Oh, it's, he's not drawing enough walks. Well, he's putting together like professional bats. Like he looks like he belongs up there. Yeah. He's not, down. he's not looking to draw walks. He's earning them. Mm-hmm. He's making the pitchers throw him his pitches. And if not, he's not going to, he's not looking to draw a walk. Yeah. No, he's, um he's adjusting. Well, again, today's three for four performance gets him up to a one Oh three weighted runs created plus um, Brian Reynolds staying hot too. Um, he gets three hits today. Um, he just got to keep it up. Like he's, he's well on his way to putting together an actual nice season now where we, yeah. if we would have had this conversation a month ago, you would have been like, Brian Reynolds needs to be better. He's been better. Yeah. Oh. All right. On to the bad stuff. Let's, well, let's first, start before with... we get to the bad stuff. I want to okay. this. Because there was a moment in this, the umpiring was, in case you didn't watch it, the umpiring was awful. Um, It was, most of it was for Pirates pitchers, strikes not being called strikes. But there was some of it on the batter's side, but there were two especially egregious calls. Um, It was Andre Jackson, and they were just, they were very obvious strikes. And Andy turned around and was drawn at the umpire and the umpire jawed right back at him and was got up in his face. And so Shelton, um, after the inning, Shelton was talking to Andy in the dugout and then he went out and he had a very spirited discussion with the umpire. So we've criticized Shelton for that a lot. You know, not undeserved for not protecting his players from bad umpiring. He protected his players from bad umpiring today. That's fair too. And then the broadcast even caught it too. And like, yep. I mean, I'm pretty sure he said, quote, shut the hell up, end quote, to Andy Rodriguez. So, yeah. Yeah. Because like, no, Shelton, Shelton, it was pretty obvious that Shelton mm-hmm. like walked up to Andy and was like, what the hell did he say to you? Yep. And then Shelton, upon hearing that the ump told him to shut the hell up, yeah. <laughs> stormed out there and protected his guy because you don't, you don't tell my catcher to shut the hell up after you just blew two calls. Yeah, um, you're you're right. I mean, and that was another piece of this game where you know Andy Rodriguez kind of asserting leadership on the field. Like if someone someone's got to say it, right? And and he was the one to do it. Uh, and and like I said, well, we harp on Shelton a lot of times when he doesn't deserve things, but 
you know, it was, it was good for him to go out there and at least defend himself. And I think the umpire knew he was wrong because the umpire gave him. Yeah, the umpire gave him a surprising amount of leeway because there are some times where the umpire just like knows that they blew it. Right. Yeah, I think that this was this was one of those cases where I think the umpire was like, yeah, probably probably shouldn't have said that. Inbox um, Neil Shelton Masterclass. Yeah, I was I was waiting for Neil to hop in the Discord or something at one point today, and just to just to say those two words, but uh, we, we I, I missed them. Um, yeah. So again, great game by Andy. Great game by Reynolds. Um, let's let's move on though. I think um, a hot topic today, all over Twitter, Discord was kind of talking about it a lot too. There's a lot to talk. We'll, we'll talk about two guys in particular here for, you know, at length, but let's start with Henry Davis. Uh, he goes over four today, strikes out three times. Uh, there was a play in right field also where I believe it was a 96% catch rate on the fly ball. It's just one of those balls that just has to be caught when it's hit in the air, shallow right field ended up kind of just dropping in between Rivas, Piguero and Davis Davis didn't get the best jump on the ball, um, and it led to it led to some runs. It led to to more runs. Uh, I think it's I think it's fair for people to be frustrated and upset with the way that Henry Davis looks in right field. Okay, yes. and I, I'm saying this because like it's bad. It's it's some pretty yeah, bad no, right bad. field play, right? I think at the same time though, you have to recognize. This is a he's, position he's never played before. He's being given an impossible task. He's he's yeah, he's he's being put in a situation that is pretty difficult for him. Once um, once again, the pirates are not putting their players in the best position to succeed, and they're doing it with a really damn important player. Because they they've told this guy that he's a catcher, and they're presumably still telling him that because he's still getting you know work at catcher. Yeah in between games and, you know, he's still attending the catcher meetings and, you know, game planning and strategy and all that. And they also have Andy and Andy's catching. And before Andy, it was hedges and delay. And now it's Andy and delay. And it's just, you know, at what point it's just, it's maddening because they, they, they called this guy up after telling him that he's a catcher and you're just like, okay, right field with with basically no with basically like negative five innings in right field in his professional career yeah it's, it wasn't it's, a lot. it's totally it's completely unreasonable to expect him to not be a complete disaster out there and he he only avoid he, i mean he has been a complete disaster but imagine how bad it would be if his arm wasn't as good as it is yeah the arm is like his saving grace out there um the rest of it's bad. And, and and we can point to when he was called up, he had played 13 total games in right field yeah. in his life. Like we're talking about a guy who, I mean, he's, he didn't do this in spring training. He didn't do this in the Arizona fall league. He didn't do this at Louisville. He didn't do this in high school. Like he's been a catcher his entire life. And you put him out in the outfield, which is a completely different thing than being a catcher. And you're going yeah, this to isn't, see. This isn't like going catcher. from. Catcher to first base or third base to first base, you know, or you know, shortstop to second. Right. <laughs> he has catchers a, don't. 
because he doesn't shag have to move. fly balls. Yeah, they don't like, shag it, fly balls. They don't yeah. have to, you know, yeah. take. They don't have to learn routes. They don't have right. to learn like, how the ball bounces off the wall. Like even if you're a shortstop or a second baseman and you get stuck out in right field, like you you shag fly balls during batting practice. You've seen fly balls in your life. Um, Henry Davis hasn't, and so that's that's kind of where we're at now. And yeah, like it's it's frustrating. I get why fans are upset and you know watching the game obviously i'm very frustrated with how he looks in right field too but i think what sucks about the whole situation right now is there's really not any other choice like no you're just gonna have to deal with it because henry davis needs to be getting major league at bats it will do him no good being in triple a just crushing the ball off of people like roanzi Contreras, and luis ortiz who those are the kind of people who are in AAA. They're not major league pitchers, right? Uh, and we, he's already proven that there he has nothing more to learn in the minor leagues. No, he does only the only thing Henry Davis needs right now from a uh, from an offensive standpoint is to see major league pitching and learn how to hit major league pitching. There's going to be lumps along the way, um, but he's just going to have to learn on the job. Uh, and part of that is just we're going to see bad right field play from him because there's, the thing. there's nothing else to do. He's he's a I'm not going to sugarcoat this and act like his catcher defense is good. It's it's not because this comment here for he obviously can't play catcher, mm-hmm. man. He can't. I mean, I'm not going to say that he can't, but he's a bad catcher. He's a bad receiver. He straight up drop pitches, drops pitches at times. It's bad. He's a bad framer. He's got a good arm back there. He can throw out runners. Um, he's physically the size you'd, you'd like that out of a blocker, but he's not that skilled at blocking. But he's athletic enough that if he gets enough reps there, I, I think that he could at least be competent. And I feel the same way about right field. But it's just if they if it was so obvious that he wasn't a good catcher and it would take longer for him to become a good catcher, why the fuck was he playing catcher in the minors at all? If they're not going to just let him catch and let him develop there, and they have Andy Rodriguez, who's been fine back there, why are we doing this? Why are they... I, I just... I It doesn't make sense to me. All fair questions. All fair questions. Um, it, it's oh, almost yeah. like they didn't really know what to do, you know, the having having both him and Andy. And you saw it too, like starting them off in different levels. Henry Davis was just whatever he was doing in Altoona just wasn't doing him any good because he was just completely on a whole other stratosphere than every other person at that level. Uh, so it, it's been kind of just a weird plan all along. And we, I, we if we want to go into further if we want to go further down this road here it probably starts with Andy rodriguez should have been on the opening day roster if Andy rodriguez is on the opening day roster then henry davis is in triple a and then you can be like hey we have a major yet another reason to not it's Andy, and And then you and then you don't have hedges starting every day for half a season yeah um and he can just be the backup and it's just a cascade it's it's just a series of comedic errors yeah. And and as far as his hitting goes, I kind of expected this. I mean, I I really I don't know about you, but I with with a guy who tries to pull the ball as much as he has, as much as he does, 
with such a he he only had like 518 minor league plate appearances that's barely a full season of minor league play and a lot of that was spent with a broken wrist yeah a guy who tries to pull the ball as much as he does is going to have an ugly adjustment period against major league pitch sequencing and major league breaking stuff we saw that with o'neill cruz i actually have the numbers pulled up here through Cruz's debut, through this date, through August 18th, last year, he was hitting 197, had an on-base of 242, and had a 393 slugging, good for a WRC plus of 73, with a 37% K rate and a just shy of a 6% walk rate. Like, O'Neill Cruz was statistically worse through this point in the season compared to Henry Davis. And, you know, we all saw what happened with him in September when he finally adjusted. Guys that try to pull the ball as much as this, they have trouble adjusting to the breaking stuff. They really do. Just give him time. You know, I, I'm not really, I'm not particularly worried about this point. The one thing I'm particularly worried about the offense is that they're just giving him too much to do on his plate, and he's not getting enough time to make those adjustments. Yeah, I think it's um I think it's asinine to think that any rookie can just come up and not not struggle, right? We can, we clearly see Henry Davis's skills at the plate. Like you you don't suck if you take Shohei Otani deep twice. Like no. You've you've got something going for you if you're able to do something like that. Um, and then you look at the approach, right? Like he's still, he's walking 10.7% of the time. The strikeouts are not high. Like he's, he's putting together good at bats. It's, he's he's also had some, he's right also now. just had some awful Babbitt luck. The last time I looked awful, it, awful Babbitt. Yeah. Like literally like almost statistically impossible over the full course of a season. Babbitt luck. It was something like 255 the last time I looked and I would assume it's only gone down since then. Yeah, Babip currently 266, but okay. since but like in the last few weeks, like when he's really been slumping, his Babip has been like below 200. Yeah, no, that's that's completely yeah. abnormal. That's yeah. not possible for any hitter, let alone somebody who hits the ball as hard as regularly as Davis does. Yeah, and you saw it tonight. I mean, he should have a double tonight, but there was just a freak crazy good play by Royce by Royce Lewis. So it's frustrating, and I think Pirates fans have the they have the right to be frustrated with how he looks. But it's just it's kind of an impossible situation right now, and and quite frankly, we're just we're just gonna have to deal with it. We're just gonna have to deal with it right now. There's yeah. no other alternative. It was it was just like with with Cruz last year. It was just like what do you mm-hmm. what do you what are you doing by sending him down? What does he have left to learn? You just have to ride it out with him. And hope he improves. Hope he adjusts. And he did. He adjusted in a big way in the last couple months of the season. All right. On to another person. And I think this question is fair. Jack Sawinski goes 0 for 4 tonight. Strikes out two batters. He goes 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. He was up in big situations all night long and was terrible. Um, he's now for the month of August four, four for, for 49, four for four. Okay. 
thought it was four, four for, for 48. F- yeah, four for 49 now. He hasn't homered since July 24th. Does Jack Sawinski need sent to AAA? I, I mean, think this is a fair question. I think it's, you know, I think there's certainly some people that are like, why are you, you know, continuing to put faith in Davis and continuing to, you know, push the alarm bell on Sawinski? Well, Sawinski has like 750 plate appearances now. He should, he should be expected to be better. He should be expected to have the situational awareness to not look at strike three twice in a game with runners in scoring position. And he doesn't. I'm not saying this about the person. I'm saying this specifically about the plate approach. Do not get me wrong. I'm sure Jack is a very nice guy. His plate approach is selfish. He is so passive because he does not want to swing at anything that he thinks is a ball. That he just has complete disregard for the situation, runners on, the score of the game, anything. And he's just so passive, and we just see this night in, night out, and he just, you got to swing the bat. You got to swing the bat to be useful. And he just doesn't. Yeah, and, and on top I, of that, I almost, I, I almost wonder if it's mental because it is just such an extreme that, like, I have trouble imagining that even Andy Haynes would be pushing this on him. That even, that I, I, cannot fathom that even Andy Haynes at this point would be telling Jack Sawinski to keep looking at those pitches. I mean, it, am yeah. I wrong? I, I just, well, I, I think, I think the issue with Sawinski and what makes it so frustrating, like the, you can bring up the chase rate all you want and it's, yeah, it's elite. That's just his kind of, that's, that is it, his. It's going to be, right if now. I never, if I walked up there and right. I never swung in any pitch ever, then my chase rate would be elite too. The problem with Jack Swinski right now is if you aren't going to swing the bat, unless like the pitch is exactly what you're looking for, which is basically where he's at right now, then you need to have a hell of a lot higher contact rate than he does. His contact rate is well below league average. And so what happens when you've got a contact rate this low and you're already taking a ton of pitches, yep, it's just basic math at that point that you're going to strike out a lot because you're not giving yourself that many opportunities to to put the ball in play. Contact rate right now, this season, 71.3%. That's 5% below league average. Um, and, And like I said, when you combine that with how many pitches he takes, it's a recipe for disaster, which is what we're seeing right now. He's been completely useless for, well over a month now and it's not the it's not the first time that he's gone through a stretch like this this is probably one of the worst yeah this is probably one of the worst ones he's had but i mean it's it's not unusual to see stretches similar to this out of him yeah and it, it's just it's so frustrating because you look at the overall body of work and you're like, this guy should be a pretty decent major league baseball player. Right. And he's just he's just not like he's been so bad for so long now. At at the bare minimum, you can't keep trotting him out in the three, four, 
in the third or fourth hole. Like if you're going to play him, you got to stick him seventh. Like you can't be putting him in a position where every time he's up there is a big spot and he just continues to not come through over and over and over again. I, I just, I even long-term with him, I, I just don't know what to do because I'm not really convinced that center field is a long-term thing for him. I don't think that anybody should be under the guise that it is. Um, Cause he's, he's, he's decent at it. He's decent at it in the same way that Reynolds was. And except he's not as decent as Reynolds was. Where in a few years, you know, I could easily see him regressing to being just an awful center fielder. And it's yeah. just with, with, and you, you know, if Davis works out like you would hope, I'm pretty sure he's playing right field moving forward. And Reynolds is <laughs> playing left field. You can't just have an awful defensive set. So I don't really know where he fits in. You know, like I think I think we just he's, he's got to talking about the approach. He just has to be more aggressive. Like he, he has, has to swing to. the bat more. He has to swing more. It's 37% swing rate right now. League average is 47%. So he basically swings 25% less than league average. Um it, it's just That's he doesn't not... make Packed enough for it to be a sustainable way to approach hitting. When you're swinging at one third of the pitches thrown to you, which is essentially where he's at right now, and you swing and miss at 30% of those, you're going to strike out a lot. You're going to strike out a lot. And so that's what we're seeing. But, like, what's the answer? I, I don't know because I think it's, I think it's at that point where it's, it's just how many more, how many more chances does he get? Right. How many more, because it, it's not that he, he clearly has potential, you know, all the peripheral stats to indicate a, a, Every peripheral stat in the universe that a team is looking at for a guy with power potential is absolutely there. Just the approach yep. is just so bad. Oh, all right. Well, those I, were... I almost, I almost wonder if, if he's getting traded this off season because he's, yeah, he's I been a guy. For, he's been a guy for a while. I would think could like randomly get traded. Well, and I could see a team like looking at him and saying, we can fix him, you know? Right. So I could, I could see, I could see him being coveted and I could also see the pirates just being like, we can't continue with, with this type of production. So it's going to have to be either Sawinski gets just, he just gets better with the pirates, which you can say that he took a step forward, you know, this season from last season. I think that's fair to say but he's still just being an incredibly inconsistent player. Um, yeah, I, I think trading him this offseason is certainly a possibility. Especially if it's for, for starting pitching. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I, I think I think trading him is certainly on the table. 
because it's not that he doesn't have value. It's just that I'm concerned that he doesn't have value to the Pirates. Right now, he's not. I can tell you that much. Like, just to th- not to get too specific with names, but like Jose Quintana, the Mets are in a position where they, I'm not sure they really particularly care about 2024. Obviously, they'll they'll attempt to field a competent team because they're not an organization that's just going to field a 120 loss team like that. But if you know somebody offers you Jack Sawinski for Jose Quintana and and some random reliever, I think they do that. Potentially. I've had Mets fans on Twitter tell me too that they would gladly take Jack Swinsky because they obviously don't watch him every night. Yeah. We'll see. Those are the people we'll you, be tricking. Those are the people we'll be tricking. <laughs> Could you imagine New York Jack Swinsky oh, in New York? That's part of my motivation for bringing that up. <laughs> I have oh, I have ulterior motives. Because it would be a bloodbath. It would. No, it would. All right. Well, We've been on here for 32 minutes. We had a lot to talk about. Um, we're not going to get into Hayes. He's been really good. He was bad tonight, but you know we'll give him a pass. He made a, I guess. He made a fantastic defensive play. Yeah, we'll give him a pass. Uh, but runners in scoring position was the issue today. One for 14. They left 11 guys on. <laughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Bullpen. Uh, Johan Ramirez hit two guys. He has no idea where he's throwing the ball. No, he has um, absolutely no idea. Angel Perdomo, two runs given up. Barucki gave up a Although run. That wasn't, I mean, that wasn't really his fault. Perdomo's wasn't. Yeah, there Perdomo's. Was some bad defense. Yeah, there was some bad defense, some lucky hits. But the bullpen didn't really impress me. No, no one in the bullpen impressed me tonight. Uh, so we're not going to spend much time on them. Tomorrow, game two, probably the Pirates' best chance to win, maybe, but... I don't know. They got Dallas Keuchel on Sunday, but Mitch Keller tomorrow against Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's had a hell of a season. Mitch He's Keller. Really yeah. Mitch, uh, Mitch Keller coming off a uh, pretty good start last time out. So hopefully he can continue uh, that because he's. Big it, and it's a bit. really. I shouldn't say crappy because our offense is really crappy too, but it is a pretty poor twins offense. I think it's fair to say that this Twins offense is pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. Because how many – they have, like, the same amount of players with OPSs over 700 as we do, don't they? I don't know. That would make me – I would have to do math for that. So okay. we're going we're gonna to hold off on that. <laughs> but, yeah, that's at 8 uh, – let's see, tomorrow at – what's the game time on that? 7-10. Eastern time, so a little bit earlier than tonight. Yeah, they they want to they got to take that game if they want to make this series something worthwhile. Oh, you know what? Props to Derek Shelton. He proved that the pirate can hit water if he fell out of a boat. Unlike Jack Solinsky. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, let's get out of here. Pirates lose five to one. Thank you all for watching. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, join the Discord if you haven't. Yeah, for sure. Better than X or Twitter, Twitter X or whatever they're calling it now. Absolutely. All, all right. right, peace. We'll see you tomorrow, guys.
Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.